Monday, the first day of training camp. It's back to being hit with all the stresses of work. How was your weekend? It's day one of that three o'clock lull. And that guy who always asks, Mind if I jump in? But Gundam is returning, making the guys in the booth say, Lean back, redonkulous, and play on, player. So relax and run steady. Because on Gundam, you roll with us, three deep in the booth. Tonight on Gundam, Neil has trouble with Japanese names, Chris hates on trolls, and I refuse to call Misa Hayase Misa Hayase. Welcome to Gundam at MHQ. This is Sobro Ryu, and I'm joined by uh, Neil here and, and Chris. And in this episode, we finally return to our Gundam roundups with a, um, no. a discussion of <laughs> a discussion of um, MS Igloo 2, and we finally start our Macross roundups. It's a roundup kind of day, man. We're starting the Macross roundups with the first series in the Macross franchise, Super Dimension Fortress Macross. You mean we're not starting Macross roundup with Macross Plus? Oh, I know. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Or Macross Zero. <laughs> or Macross Zero. <laughs> no people were doing this in production order, just like the Gundam roundups. We'll now move on to the news, hosted by, um, well, some say he Me. likes... <laughs> That's right, Chris. No, if we're kidding. Um, some I think say that would be me. That that would be you. Some say he says that Gun Tank is his favorite suit, but it really is Tequila Gundam. All we know is he's called Neo. Actually, <laughs> it's actually the Nether Gundam. The Nether Gundam. because <laughs> um, it, it's a green Gundam. It's a windmill. So there you go. Well done. <laughs> a green weapon of mass destruction. But um, got some great news here. And this is uh, courtesy of a lot of the guys that posted on the Neo's News Listeners Submitted News Article thread on the Mechatalk.net forum. And this is from, oh my god, I am on fire. <laughs> and, alright, trolls and fanboys and stuff, just let us explain this. This comes from the Anime's News Networks, and the title is AD Vision Incorporated Sells AD Films, Assets, Anime Network, Amusement Park Media. <gasps> God, the sky is falling. It's the end of the world. <laughs> Did I get that about right? Um, you captured the panic much. that we were, we were expecting. Yes. <laughs> basically, AD Vision, they did a series of transactions that basically, they're saying it's going to result in seamless delivery of their home uh, video products and television pro- programming to their customers. They created a couple of different companies. One's called AE Sir Holdings. Uh, one, Syaxon 23. And another one is Valkyrie Media Partners. It's pronounced uh, Section 23, despite uh, the odd spelling. Okay, no problem. Section 23. And ASUR is going to have the ADV's film library, along with some of their other intellectual property. The Section 23 is their home video distribution company. It's going to be doing the account servicing and distribution in connections with the library that's being held by AESUR. So it's basically keeping that distribution platform going. And the Valkyrie Media Partners is going to, is formerly ADV's 
television unit, and it has such great investments, such as the Anime Network, part of its portfolio. Hmm. So, 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 uh, Mr. Neo, as uh, as a businessman type of the professional variety, uh, mm-hmm. please explain what this means to easily panicked fanboys who see the end of the world in every news announcement. Basically, the it's simple English in in words they can understand. Basically, they are just taking the assets that they have in ADV and they're putting them into three other different companies. The reason being is those three different companies don't have any debt. It's probably AD Vision has debt. I don't know their situation there. This is a normal thing that companies do. A lot of times companies reorganize themselves before going into any type of Chapter 11 or Chapter 7 bankruptcy. One of the best ways to look at this is I'm sure everybody heard of GM this year. There's old GM and new GM. Basically, all the good assets from old GM went into the new GM company, and then the company's going to take care of all the debts and stuff. And it's not a bad thing uh, as long as it was done legally, which I'm sure it was. And it's it's just a way of keeping the intellectual property from being held up in court in case there are any liens or judgments on some of the debts for AD Vision. So fanboys, relax, collective gasp. This is, you know, not a big deal. If you're business majors instead of English majors, you'd probably understand this more. Well, no offense to English majors. Well, damn, a layman like me feels like he's on, on Wall Street Week at MHQ. Uh, All it's, right. not a, it's not a bad thing. And actually, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be... Where's, where's Gordon Echo when you need him? That's what I'm saying. Actually, to be honest with you... Can I call you Bud? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always Larry. Man, well, you know, they needed something else to freak about after the Disney-Marvel merger. Well, and, you know, and, 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 and this is going to be a normal thing. And to be honest, I wouldn't be too surprised if other companies didn't do the same thing. It seems like the beginning um, of a trend. What was it? Bandai Entertainment went into Bandai USA. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's just a way of transferring the assets from one company that's failing or having issues into the you know another company. There's sounds like from what it says in this article, the same people that had control of ADV have control of these other companies. So it shouldn't be any big deal. Now, what they do at this point, well, that's their thing. But you know, as of right now. Does it mean that this stuff is not going to fail? It could down the road, but, you know. That's the whole other part of the equation. If yeah. they keep up bad business practices and keep screwing things up as they were up to now, yeah. then all of the um, shuffling around of assets with fancy new sci-fi sounding names won't really amount to much. And, uh, and another thing is, too, is what Chris just said there. A lot of why they're doing this is there's probably been a lot of negative press about ADV. So they're trying to distance themselves away from that and because it, it might be actually impacting their current relationships with some of their distributors and their retailers you know oh. it's like companies uh, change names all the time to um, yeah. get away from bad pr like uh the notorious blackwater changing its name to uh z yeah that yes. that, that that isn't more ominous sounding <laughs> yeah so i mean it's it's like chris said what they do at this point well you know let's hope they don't do the same business practices, but you know, for the most part, this is this is a good thing. as ADV or as Blackwater, as ADV, oh, as both, okay. <laughs> as both. I wasn't really talking about Blackwater, but as ADV, <laughs> unless Blackwater's got a Gundam, maybe you never know. know, never know, you never know. So yeah, everybody just relax because I know that there was a lot of uh, hubbubaloo going on the old interwebs about that. So we'll see, <laughs> just wait and see. And the next article that I have here is from Zero Buster XX. And this is another gasp. <gasps> oh, my God. 
and this is coming from uh, Gama Sutra. Yoshiyuki Tamino. You guys have heard him of him, right? Maybe. Well, quote, <laughs> he said, video games are evil. <gasps> Snap! <laughs> Basically, there's an article on this, and there's some links on the Neo's listener submitted news article site about it. I would encourage people to read the actual article start stating what he said beforehand before you start freaking out and the what, other what is it games are evil what the hell are they talking about there's like a gazillion Gundam games oh my god these guys want to crap and one of the other things that I'd like to say too is the fact that in the article it's one of the sentences starts nearly 70 years old Tamino is motivated yeah He's a seven-year. He's almost a seven-year-old guy. So just let it go. You think I he's mean, got? It's not the end of the world. You think he's got talking out of his ass disease? No, he's got old, <laughs> you know, old man I, disease. I, I have to uh, bring in the uh, good old Straight Talk Express here. Oh okay. no, man! I've been waiting for it to come back into town, man. Awesome. It's, go ahead. It's, it's been it's been on uh, maintenance over the summer. I think it was stolen by some some teabaggers for for their town hall meetings. Oh, man, somebody call teabaggers. Somebody call um, <laughs> Mr. Goodrand. Oh, tea partiers. <laughs> yep. Okay. Tea baggers, I was okay. Maybe it was those kind of tea baggers too. I don't know. They they may swing that one. <laughs> Who knows? So uh, Mr. Tamino making comments about video games, and he said stuff like, "You know, yeah, there's great games like Tetris, but has anything better ever been made since then?" <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. This to me is very reminiscent of um, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys recall, maybe about a year or so ago, this whole tiff where uh, Roger Ebert was opining saying that. Um, video games are not art right yeah and he said you know he's like i don't really play video games or know much about them but uh, i don't think that they're art so this uh this is sort of like the kind of comment that's really annoys me like i don't know anything at all about this subject and uh yeah. i'm not really interested in it but i'm going to proceed to make a sweeping generalization about it and yeah. don't you dare try to uh, prove me wrong about it. it's like so pretty much a neophyte along the same lines like i really doubt that tamino has ever been like a video game player. So when someone who doesn't play video games just dismisses them so out of hand so easily with like such weak reasoning, mm -hmm. I don't really put much uh, stock into what they say. Well, I mean, part of his argument was that video game systems burn countless, you know, gigawatts of uh, of energy, and and I, yeah, I don't see that being any yeah, different. And so does, and so does watching te television. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that so. it's like the anime industry may shows that people watch, and they do nothing but sit down on their couch watching these shows. You can have a marathon of a show. You can watch an anime endlessly if you if you have the right sources. So, I mean, what does what does that make different from video games, which is another pastime that people enjoy? You know, at least with video games is a bit more interactive and you're you're forced to think at times as opposed to watching a show where you know you're you're able to just watch and absorb that and you're not really doing much not to knock watching anime because that's a great pastime i enjoy as well but you can't just you can't just discount one and parade the other you just you know it you're you're full of you're full of crap if you do it's like yeah. i said in the article he's nearly 70 years old <laughs> I mean, and I'm not trying to do ageism or anything like that, but yeah. Chris also brings up a great point. It's like sometimes, I mean, people get shocked about things that they really shouldn't be shocked about, Yeah. especially in the aspect of he's sitting there going, well, in my opinion, the best, there hasn't been anything good since Tetris. Okay, whatever. Like, you know, and and, and is, is this, you know, it, they, they are pretty uh, 
He's, he's just been pretty he, weak arguments. He so. just lost interest after Tetris. There's been great games since then. He just hasn't cared to to, to immerse himself in that. And that's I his have opinion. A very frightening image in my head right now of Brain Age with Tamino Head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the biggest irony to this is that Gundam video games sell like hotcakes in Japan, and you know the PS3 is a system that has a ton of them. You know, uh, and the PSP as well. Well, and um, there's the the PS3 Slim bundle with. Uh, Gundam 0081 included. Yeah, it, look at and that. Selling like hotcakes. Exactly, and you just you, it, it, that's obviously he's never been involved with the Gundam games. But of it's course, still not. amusing that you know. But his birth child is 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 this is has been depicted in well, many video maybe, games over the years. Maybe that's part of the reason why he says this because he's probably not getting anything off those games. Oh. So you know he, he might be a little mad about that too. I mean, could be. You never know. I, I don't know, but I, it's not the end of the world, folks. The sun will rise tomorrow. So, <laughs> video games aren't evil. Abandoning your life, playing them—well, that could be construed as evil, but or destructive more than anything. But um, yeah, that that was that. So, any further questions or any further comments on Tomino and looks, video games? Looks, like I'm gonna have, looks like I'm gonna have to give up playing Street Fighter. Damn you, Tomino! Damn you. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. And we'll go back to playing Tetris. Yeah, because <laughs> it's sanctioned by. Would, would he approve Doctor Mario, or or is that uh, too too derivative? Now, can I have the Tetris on the Game Boy Color as opposed to the original Game Boy? Because you know, that color <laughs> might that might uh, make me more unproductive. Maybe seeing uh, seeing those blocks in color. Another article here, and this is from Snoops619, and this was up on the Tomopop website, and there is going to be an official World Gunpla competition. And I know that there's lots of Gunpla modelers out there, especially that listen to us. And there is going to be, it was announced by Danny Chu from Bandai, and there's going to be four categories. Uh, the coolest freestyle Gunpla, the cutest super deformed Gundam, the coolest Gundam diorama, and the most amusing Gunpla. And if you go to the website, entering's pretty simple. All you got to do is sign up to be part of Danny Chu's figure community, which is figure.fm, and post your f- photos in the correct category and following the naming instructions and the rules. And only Bandai Gunpla models are allowed for entry into the competition. So don't think of dressing up your Ava Unit one. <laughs> That's pretty good. And the entries are up until November 1st of this year. So it's um, figure.fm and there's official rules and stuff of what to do there. So hopefully we can see some of our guys uh, put some stuff up there. And I have to definitely take a look at that. And the last uh, story that we have is uh, giant robots are still attacking Japan. Oh, no. Repeat, giant robots are still attacking Japan. After the RX-78's been taken out of there, looks like the uh, life-size uh, Gigantor is going to be attacking Kobe. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's almost nearing completion. And this comes from japanprobe.com from a poster, Takamunkin. I don't know what his name is. But uh, <laughs> sorry, but he got this off the JapanProbe.com, and it's in the uh, Neo's News Listener submitted news article. There's a short video, and it shows Gigantor, and um, he's um, getting the rocket punch going. So it's supposed to be finished by October, and uh, of course, in perfect Japanese fashion, the work is progressing ahead of schedule. So they are very efficient little men. So, but that's the news. Silver. All right. Well, um, did anybody have anything else to add? Chris, any news on the MHQ front? Uh, not particularly. Just be on the lookout for <coughs> the uh, DragonCon episode, which 
may or may not already be out at the time that this episode's out, so <laughs> if, if it is, uh, then there was no point in me saying this, and if not, then uh, I'm just building up your anticipation. <laughs> and and for those who don't know, there was a, a, a big to-do about um, uh, the YusumiCon episode, uh, the extra panel uh, that we had, the Haters versus panel. It wasn't put up on um, iTunes due to the content, but um, for those who primarily stream this on uh, off of uh, iTunes. If you go to Gundam.net, you can find the episode and download it and listen to that as well. What so. are some of the teasers in the Dragon Con episode, Chris? Uh, Sorry to put you on William the spot. William Shatner! <laughs> oh my god, he's actually on there? Yes, William Shatner is on Gundam! <laughs> my god, the Priceline negotiator? Please, please don't... Yes, that guy from Boston Legal. <laughs> oh, please man. don't turn up the speed on your recorder. This is how I actually speak. TJ Hooker, man? Because, you know, that's all he's done. Miss, Mr. Mr. Rescue 911. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, along with uh, Leonard Nimoy, uh, Patrick Stewart. The bald captain. Oh, man. Yep. Bald and smooth. Uh, daily thoughts from uh, me and Dale. And if you're a tech or video game geek, an interview with Veronica Belmont. So all Sweet. sorts of uh, interesting things. Did you do your daily you thoughts in the Robotech narrator's voice? That would have been hilarious. <laughs> I, I, re- I recorded uh, each and one of my every uh, daily actions in the Robotech narrator's voice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. You learn it. <laughs> 15, uh, 15 minutes worth of, um, of a spoken word condensed into eight minutes recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Took lessons from watching Speed Racer. Sweet. Awesome. Well, that's cool. We'll be, I'll be looking forward to that, Chris. All right. Well, or looking backwards if it's already out. <laughs> if it's only, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? This is That's the mis- Who knows? Not even Soul Bro knows. That's the mystery of listening to this show. Yeah. But um, we'll be back with the Gundam Roundup for MS Igloo 2. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Gundam! Good kick, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Neo, and back by popular, popular Gundam man, it's Gundam Roundup. 
when we were concluding uh, Gundam Roundup the first time, it was still pretty much finishing. Uh, it had started, but it, w- it actually finished up a couple months ago. And for whatever reason, it took us a while to get to it. And that is uh, MS Igloo 2. Basically, with MS Igloo 2, as it's kind of like in the same format as MS Igloo 1, the six-episode uh, OVAs that we had reviewed earlier in this year and late last year, I believe. Just like the previous igloos, this one's all computer-generated and takes place during the one-year wartime. But instead of seeing how the space Nazis fared against uh, in the one-year war, we now get to see what the evil Federation soldiers that are chased by the gods of death. And uh, there's three episodes so far, and it takes place around the European theater. First one is basically like a commander with his like little strike team, almost kind of like a bazooka team, like rocket-propelled grenade team, chasing Zaku's. The next one deals with kind of an obsessed soldier in a Type 61 tank and uh, chasing after the Zeon. And the last one deals with a team of not like the original gun tank, but much worse. And they're basically like a suicide squad trying to get those um, oh god what were, I'm drawing a blank of what those big battleships are called the big trays Dabber Day. Dabber Days and the big trays are the um, Federation one but they're going after that so and they all have kind of this weird twist just like in the first igloos there was those kind of weird laments not as sad and not as heartwarming as it was when we got to see the Spates Nazis die because these are the Federation characters so they're much more evil than the Xeon guys, according to the creators. We got to see that, and we got to see some really weird things dealing with the Shimigami uh, in the form of a woman uh, saying very weird, odd things and her very weird, odd ending animation <laughs> with this uh, Shimigami. So um, I'm going to kind of open this up to Soulbro or Chris uh, to see you know, some of their thoughts on MS Igloo 2. Why don't you go first, Soulbro? Why, thank you, Chris. I actually enjoyed this series a little bit more than the original series, probably because it's a lot less Nazification. One thing I did find weird is the personification, uh, the, fa- the fact that they tried to personify death in this one in the form of a woman, but after the first episode, you kind of get used to it. You see that she's going to be the, the one continuous character in the series, so um, you might as well get used to Not her. Not necessarily. There's there's uh, the oh, yeah. commander. The yeah. one commander, that's right. The one I was hoping would die <laughs> somewhere along the line and um i can't recall if he did quite honestly i know no, it's yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately probably went on to become a titan who knows anyway i liked the first episode a lot because it reminded me of um, what the soldiers went through in world war one when the um, axis implemented their machine gun and now uh, the allied forces called it the devil's paintbrush well you know it was kind of hard to fight against something like that and it's almost like the same david and goliath situation when these guys are up against the zakus when they first touch down and the fact that this is just slaughtering these guys and they're getting sent to the front lines just just groups of men without any kind of tanks or whatnot are getting sent to the front lines to take these things on because um they're planning for a massive um offensive with the tanks later on but it was an interesting take because we've always wanted to see something like this in the Gundam series where you know the first early parts of the war were kind of effed up for the Federation troops because they didn't have mobile suits and to see um, the struggles they went through in that first episode really made for an interesting story the second story it was okay I mean I like the harried soldier trying to remember his name Yandel Yandel and you got the the young driver that got paired up with him, and he got he kind of was a witness to the whole events that played out in the last couple of days. Uh, then there was the white ogre that Yandel was up against, and their whole fight was pretty creative, especially towards the end. But the third story is the one I really liked a lot with the gun tanks. 
um, Neo's favorite um, mecha, as you guys know. And uh, the fact that the f- it was it had a female protagonist, and it, there was a lot of layers to the story there. And you know, you learned what happened to her throughout the course of it. I uh, just like how it was told and how it unfolded throughout the episode and the twist at the end too was kind of cool chris what were your thoughts on it i would say when you look at these three episodes in some ways it's it's different from the first igloo but in some other ways it's kind of the same yeah obviously that world war ii with robots atmosphere that they try to portray in the first one it's still back here Mm -hmm. the very weird facial expressions sadly are still here oh right but barbary in the first episode <laughs> my god that guy just, not just him but uh that 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 dick commander Corp. yeah hell even even the black guy who looked like wycliffe john <laughs> yeah it's just really weird <laughs> everybody everybody looked like yakuza men in there where they had those dead eyes it was awesome i was hoping that by now it being five years after the first igloo that they would have improved the graphics engine a bit the rendering <laughs> the facial modeling to have these people be just a little bit less creepy no head swap because uh it, it just really it's it hits you like with that that uncanny valleyness of you know these people like making very weird exaggerated facial movements and arm movements not as badly as the first igloo but it's still noticeable and i would have expected that that would have been gone <clears throat> by now after all these years yeah but that's just a minor thing <laughs> The other thing that made me enjoy this series a little bit less is the predictability because carried over from the first igloo is the fact that everyone has to die every episode. Except Surratt in the second one. He didn't die, did he? Yeah, he was lucky, but he wasn't the focus The, the, the focus, focus yeah. of the protagonist with a death wish, which That's is definitely the case with Yandel and Arlene and with Barberry. Yeah. You know, they were all screwed up people with death wishes. Yeah. Whereas this guy Surratt was just, you know, a rookie in the wrong place at the wrong time. Pretty much. That predictability kind of kills some of the enjoyability just a little bit because by the end of the first episode, when that guy dies, at that point you know to yourself, well, he's not showing up in episode two. Yeah. Must be another disposable protagonist in episode two then. And then lo and behold, disposable protagonist. Definitely I enjoyed that they uh, got rid of the Nazification in this mm-hmm. series because it was nice seeing the Xeon back to the way they were in 8th MS team and original series not like all zombified not zombified what am I thinking of fanaticized you know thinking of like Call of Duty or something yeah uh, to, to not have them uh, notified and have every other character named you know Werner and and Werner uh, von Fritz and you know yeah Wilhelm <laughs> Yeah, and to not have them be depicted as like being so glorious and so righteous and the Federation being so evil and depraved. So that was nice to have that balance back. On the other hand, though, they introduced all this uh, Shinigami business, and looking at all three episodes, I don't really know what the whole point of that was supposed to be like. Agreed. Is it supposed to be some commentary on uh, you know, how war is hell and people are obsessed with war? I mean, we can see that just fine from all the things the characters do without having some Shinigami there, you know, giving the uh, play-by-play. Yeah. It almost makes you want to call the series Mobile Suit Gundam Final Destination. <laughs> I guess. And also, uh, you know, it's just kind of weird. It's like, the Shinigami's not some new type ghost. It's like an actual thing that's there that people see and then talk about. Yeah. yeah. So that's just a whole new weird thing that Gundam didn't need to have. Yeah, it, it really came out of nowhere because, like you said, it, it's... If it was some type of new type aberration or something like that, then it fits within what we've seen before in, in Gundam. But just to kind of put this weird mysticism, kind of almost religious type of deal in there, it just didn't make any sense. And I agree with you. I didn't know what that was all about. 
The other problem that I had with this series is the fact that in the previous igloos, they gave you a little bit more time to like know a little bit about the the characters a little bit more. Yeah. Where you know, because you have such a short timetable, you know, it's like it's only twenty four minutes. They got to die within twenty one, you know, minutes of you know after twenty one minutes, and it's like, man. I, I just never thought that you weren't given enough time to like actually even care if they died or not. It's not that I cared about the people that died in the Xeon ones, but at least there was showing that there was something about them. Like these yeah. guys, I didn't care. These people, they're all the same. They're they all have a death wish, and they've yeah, which got nuts. Yeah, it's the developing back the developing backstory wasn't there like it was in the original Igloo. And yeah. the other thing, I, even though it did take denazification out of it, like I said, I'm not an apologist for Zeon or or the Federation or anything like that. But it just made it seem like these are you know the Federation was dominated by crazy people that had death wishes that you know had really dark histories. And it almost seemed in a way that even though that you had those weirdos in Xeon for the first igloos, it seemed more honorable the way that they died instead of these crazy, you know, like the crazy lady in the last episode. I mean, she was just nuts. As were her... Uh, oh, the two wing- wingmen, yeah. I mean, these guys were just... The, these guys were more eager than Hiro Yui to uh, press the... Uh, oh, yeah. The self-destruct, the self-destruct button. button. There was a little bit of BS at the end. I kind of don't want to give it away, but... Didn't she also self-destruct? I mean... She did. She, oh, she did. Yeah. She did, but I mean, was that an out-of-body experience, or was that... Yeah, she was yeah. already dead. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, she was I, looking down. I was just... I was, from the gist of the conversation, it seemed like it, but I wasn't sure, so... Now, that kept up with the original team Tamino vision of women in Gundam, the Jilted Lover. Yeah. So... <laughs> Very much so. And also the uh, <laughs> the tragic star-crossed lovers because oh yeah the the guy that betrayed her but was actually a double agent for the Federation, Federation. she ended up killing him yeah. and herself yep yeah that seems like like straight out of Victory Gundam oh yeah <laughs> you recall those people uh, those Zanskare pilots that were in, like the nice pe- the the only nice people in Zanskare. The, yeah. people, the two people that rode off in the motorcycle? and uh, no, 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 no. Well, okay, the other two nice people. Okay. Uh, they were only in that one episode, and they were going to get engaged. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Got, and then they ended up in different mobile suits, and each thought that the other had been killed, so they killed each other. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> this, this made me think kind of of that. Tamina must have snuck in the writer's room again. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Also, the uh, the setup and the atmosphere of the first episode, maybe you would agree, Paul, definitely had sort of the feeling of Armor Hunter Merrill Link. Yeah. You know, yeah. guys on the ground against impossible odds against Mecha. That I liked. I'll be honest. I think, to me, the first episode was the one I enjoyed the most. Was it? Um, the other two I didn't. And it's just like what you said, because even though it was a very short amount of time and you had the crazy Shimigami stuff and it, they weren't giving me enough time to give a care about if Barbary died or not. But that whole thing, especially that final assault that they did on the Zakus, it's like, whoa, this is pretty intense. This is pretty cool. But yeah, I totally agree with that, What with what you said there. Too bad the third one popped up. Yeah. <laughs> But, Chris, what else were you going to say? That was my impression of Episode 1. Episode 2, um, it's kind of nice to see the uh, the use of uh, tactics of all of these hopelessly outgunned Type 61s using the environment to their advantage to take out uh, the Zakus. That kind of reminded me of Old Boy and Stargazer in the first episode of Stargazer, the dude that had that tank. And he was kind of using the same thing when he uh, against that Jin. That reminded me of that a little bit, but... I don't know, but that guy was... That was the serious Captain Ahab episode right there, was episode two. So in an igloo battle, tell me, who do you think would win? The prototype gun tanks from igloo two or the tic-tac popper from the first igloo? Hildolfer? Yeah. 
Well, because I really don't care about these uh, prototype ones because they were not the true gun tank. Because when I think gun tank, I think bright blue and red with a large clear canopy top so you can zero in on the driver or gunner from you know a thousand yards away sniping them in the head that's the only way to go into battle but um i don't know probably um one on one or one on three uh one on one i think the hildolfer because that thing was pretty righteous and it you know had more of the manipulator arms you know it had regular arms as opposed to even though that gun tank had it but they were still just gun pods more than anything movable gun pods yeah unless they're doing a suicide run <laughs> so well, just, in that case uh, gun tank wins gun tank wins. wins yeah gun tank wins kamikaze they sure blow up nice they do they <laughs> really do anything else on episode two chris or pretty much uh, that's that's my thoughts on uh, the whole series be interesting if they do uh, a second one set out in space because uh you know they covered the you know the odessa campaign and all the stuff leading up to it so there's already not much more they can do on Earth. Yeah, it, w- it would be nice to see for once GM pilots and maybe even ball pilots in that way, but who knows? So probably just have it where it's some like squad of guys in normal suits that have to fight a uh, dome. You mean ball <laughs> pilots that are not dicks for yeah. once? <laughs> or Shiro. <laughs> or Shiro. Ball pilots that aren't part of the Earth Alliance from Seed C- C- and Seed Destiny. Ouch. <laughs> but um, any, uh, any other thoughts, Solbro, before we close this up? No, I'm good. I, I enjoyed seeing it from that different perspective, and oh, there's some downsides to it, but for the most part, I had a lot of fun watching it. So, uh, Chris, would you agree probably with the same way that you felt with the first two igloos, that this is more or less for somebody that's in a, an advanced Gundam watcher, kind of real heavy one-year war fan type of, type of person? Yeah, especially since there's no Gundams in it, so it's, it's certainly not for a newcomer. Yeah, it's definitely for... Uh, your strategy guys <laughs> military otaku but uh, command and conquer players <laughs> all right well if that's it that's our gundam roundup on ms igloo 2 and uh, like chris said um it'll be interesting to see if they do a space uh, version which i'm sure they will and you know if that comes to pass we'll definitely uh, take a look at that also but um we'll be back in a little bit you're listening to gundam at mhq Walter, I love you, but sooner or later you're going to have to face the fact you're a goddamn moron. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN5 for 10% off your order. Our Gun 6 for $5 off any order that's over $30. Or if you ever wanted to buy a domain name, you can get one for the low price of $7.49 if you use the code GUN7. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking.
マクドの空を貫いて地球を打ったイカズチは我らをさない This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We are about to start in this episode the long-awaited, highly anticipated first part of the 20 billion part roundup series, Macross Roundup. Wow, it's that many, huh? Actually, no. no. More like six parts. Aww. Not, not quite like、uh, all that time we spent on Gundam, so... And this is a Robotech-free zone, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Anyone who mentions Robotech will be flailed alive. Oh, listen, I'm、right. getting flailed. I have the whip ready for Soul Bro. Good. <laughs> Since this is the first installment of Macross Roundup, we are going to be taking a look at the、uh, original TV series today, just the TV series. We're going to cover、uh, Daryl and Flashback 2012 in the、uh, next episode. Just like Gundam Roundup,、uh, you know. These are series that don't need any summary for their stories because you've seen them, you've read about them, you know all about them, so I won't、uh, waste any time with that. And I'll just、uh, throw it at one of you guys, whoever wants to jump in first, with thoughts on original Macross. Well, let's, let's see if Solbro can do it. Let's, let's have him start us off. So,、um, so I shouldn't say、uh, Veritech then, right? <laughs> That's one. That, that、uh, would probably be a no. I would,、yeah. hope, I, I would hope so. But、um, I recently saw、uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross in its full entirety just about a year ago when I bought the last of the DVDs. I sat down and watched it all. And it's still as fresh now as it was back then. I mean, there's some elements of it that are dated, but for the most part, it's not that many and it still remains to be a timeless show. Tell、I'd、us what's dated, Soul Bro. Some of the fashion designs and whatnot. But I mean, I, I love 80s anime. It's still all good to me, but you know, all the characters look kind of punkish. Well, some of, the, some of the main leads. You know, I can never. The big hair. Huh? The big hair. Big hair, blue hair. Freaking all these, all these hippie well, slash Harris, characters. That's but kind of trans- it's awesome, though. It, it, it gives it its own style and look, and I, I, I love that. But、um, just the,、uh, the way the, anim- the animation was back then, I get that nostalgia factor that kicks in watching the show. It's a, a show that's epic in scope. I mean, you have the first part of the show where the breakout attack happens on Macross Island and everybody gets swept up into battle, and SDF 1 has to space fold, and then you have the whole trip. From, from the edge of the solar system to where they have to get back to Earth, and then they get hit with、uh, the fact that they can't stay. And, you know, just things progress in this show at a very solid pace. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. You know, it's one of the, one of the, one of the regular characters. Not dies enough, there's not、there. enough narration to tell you what's going to happen first, <laughs> next? Not in this version, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to mention, you know, in depth Robotech, but. And then Rick Hunter woke up with some morning wood. It was quite uncomfortable <laughs> because Ben picked his lap right next to him in the bunk bed. And then there was a line in the can, and Rick really had to go. Stuffed it up because he had burritos the night before. <laughs> Speaking of Roy, I think his death is probably one of the most tragic ones in,、um, in anime history because of the way it affects you as the viewer because you get so used to him being around and always, you know, kind of being the protective kind of guy, the guiding character. And then he's the first. First example of Senpai dying for me. So, you know, seeing that happen, you know, he set the pace for everything else. Of course, there's、uh, other characters that die throughout the course of the show. And then one of my favorite moments in the series is when、um, Max and、uh, Miria get married, you know, after their like five minute courtship. <laughs> Including the、uh, whole, most horribly animated、uh, oh. knife fight ever. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, that, that, the animation that episode was kind of harsh. <laughs> I think it was、um, anime frame. What was, what was that, that game that they,、uh, was that hard on that they played each other? Hard on! <laughs> 
You're thinking of Mega Zelda. I know. I know that. I was just saying that that game that they they played in the in the arcade. She's real good. <laughs> <laughs> and then um. Uh, Mary is such a, a, a great mother uh, keeping her kid like in what the luggage compartment of the, of the Valkyrie <laughs> <laughs> never understood that <laughs> man I mean for the most part Macross has been a show I've been I've been exposed to since you know my younger years and to watch it uncut and in its real form it, it, it's an amazing it's an amazing uh, journey just to how to amazing was it <laughs> I, I don't want to talk all day, but um, no, it was uh, it's 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 a great In case. I have some questions for you. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Make you talk more. Oh, thank you. So obviously, we all saw Macross first at Robotech before we saw the uncut. Very true, right? Macross. So, um, what did you notice as standing out being the most different? When you went from watching Robotech to the original Macross, oh, easily Minmay's depiction. Where in the in Robotech, she was kind of naive, but more of a I, I hate to use this word, more of a bitch in in Robotech, where you know she just seemed to be purposely. Oh, and it it just comes off as a bit harsher, which she how she treats Rick in um and in, in, in too. Yeah, 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 but uh, <laughs> in stage fright, go away. <laughs> <laughs> I could go all day, but um, no, no, um, it's not. Let, let's 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 avoid that. In Macross, she's seen as more naive. She's kind of getting swept up in the whole um in in her stardom, and you know she she can't balance both her uh, her 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 personal relationships and her stardom at the same time. So Rick suffers because of that, but it's not intentional, and you can see that more in the performance in Macross than you can in Robotech. And, you know, if anything, I liked Min May a whole lot more. In Robotech, and actually, I mean, in Macross, and I felt pretty bad for her at the end of the show. Although I like Lisa too, and um, Lisa came off not as harsh in um, in Macross as she did in Robotech too. She wasn't. Uh, yeah, she had some more rough edges to her in Robotech. Yes, yeah. she did. In this one, you know, she was business minded. You know, she was about her job, but at the same time, she was a human being too. And the groove where she she gets into, where she starts to get more attracted to Rick, and they grow closer. It seems a bit more natural in Macross than it did in Robotech. But again, that might have been because of certain things they cut out of Robotech. I would also throw in uh, Max. The way he's depicted in the two shows is mm-hmm. entirely different in Robotech. Yeah. Sort of like. Like, hey, 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 I'm a really good pilot. I'm better than all you guys. Hey. <laughs> he was yeah, kind of cool. sniveling in, in, the, in Robotech. Yeah. Whereas in uh, <coughs> Macross, it's like, hey, ladies, how's it going? This I'm is... Maximilian Genius. <laughs> I happen to be an ace pilot. He did come off a lot smoother and, and, a, and a lot more humble in, in Macross, I'd have to say. And plus, the big one, I guess the other big difference is uh, the fact that the bridge bunnies and Global all survive at the end, as opposed to the original um, Robotech Macross saga where they die badly. <laughs> Which is a rather strange uh, occurrence for 80s anime at the time. Yeah. You know, you're, you're used to the opposite trend that uh, characters who are killed are just magically written off so that they survive, whereas here, they deliberately kill off people who didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have a question for you. Has it ever been confirmed that, I know it's the voice of Claudia that does the narration in Macross, but is Claudia the narrator of Macross? I don't think so. Okay. It just happened to be... I have just, to say, too, one of the... happens to be... The same, same woman. Yeah. Okay. One, of, one of the other things I noticed in between the two series also would be... Um, 
I think lack of this guy who's always talking about all this sorts of stuff and saying things really fast as a scene transition. Oh wait, no, sorry. No, I, I love that. I, Actu- I love that narrator though. I thought he had the smoothest delivery. He just had to squeeze too many words in. It's actually, it actually, fit, uh, in, in in Robotech, the Zentradi were just they just were like that empty villain. They seem more of the empty villain in that one to me. Mm-hmm. than they do in Macross. At least in Macross, you, you feel that they're more of, you know, they're just a warrior people that all they have is war, but they're trying to figure out what to, you know, some of them are trying to figure out their place in life. In Robotech, they just seem like, you know, the typical, I'm the bad guy here to, you know, set off and attack the Macross, the SDF-1, yeah. um, you know, every week. I was I, The dialogue was definitely dumbed down, even yeah. though it's kind of saying the same stuff. Mm-hmm. They just say it in a dumber way in Robotech. I mean, it's like... Yeah. They, they're trying to like make it for a younger kid audience here in America, which is fine, but yeah. it's sort of like they, they underestimate the audience. Yeah. I, I was more tim- intimidated by Kwamjin, though, than I was Chiron, yeah. I have to say. Um, and in the Japanese, in, in Macross, the original, he is far more insane. <laughs> far more. Plus, you also get all these, you know, the political undertones of dealing with uh, UN Spacey and, you know, Earth being a bunch of assholes, which yeah. is kind of toned down a little bit in. Uh, Robotech in uh, Robotech mm-hmm. in Robotech, you know, they're just sort of like a bunch of gung ho patriot guys. Yeah. In Macross, they're just you know people who are set in their ways and arrogant and think that their big fancy laser cannon gives them you know superiority. Yeah, Lisa's dad was still a douchebag regardless. That, I mean Misa, Misa that and, um, but he was he was more sympathetic in Macross. And yeah. He came across he came across more as you know you could tell that this guy was struggling between towing the military's line of you know utter arrogance. Versus, you know, concern for his only daughter, and and he felt that a lot more in Macross and Robotech. And Robotech, he he was just like colder to her and and not as fatherly. Yeah, and and you you definitely see that he was seeing the bigger picture of what was going on too, not only with just her, but just the whole thing in general. That and the whole undertone within the Zentradi and the Mentradis, you know, the competitiveness between them and everything like that was, mm-hmm. I think, much more in in Macross. As, like we said, they're more just like, you know, hey, I'm the bad guy. There's the SDF-1. We need to get this for <laughs> protoculture, blah, blah, blah. Since you mentioned protoculture, that's, that's another big difference that we should mention, you know, that, uh, you know, in, in Robotech, protoculture is this magical catch-all trippy drug yeah. slash, <laughs> you know, fuel slash technology type of thing and thingamajig thing yeah whereas in macross it's just the first culture that yeah. started the interstellar republic yep. big difference in terminology leads to big differences in story paul what's the got most for you about um the original macross as a whole what what did you enjoy about it <clears throat> i think what i enjoyed mostly about it is the fact that and i know the story what they originally were doing 26 episodes and they got another 10 or so. I like the fact that and while you're watching the show, you get the end, you know, what you think is the end with the Zentradi reign of death on a, on the earth. And then you get to see that all of a sudden they have to rebuild the society. And you see like all the pains of, you know, the Zentradi that are now part of the human society. The guys like Hakaru and them that are warriors, but now they don't have really anything to do. All they knew was fighting, and now they're trying to figure that out. Everybody's kind of lost and, and trying to find a way, you know, a, a way of um, going on. I, I think the big thing, and that just shows the whole thing within the story itself, is. It's always about the personal relationships between people and how large events affect everyone. You almost got to walk in the other person's shoes to understand why they act the way they do to you or to other people. 
And I, I think that's always been the thing with Hikaru, especially when he was, you know, trying to go after Minmay and stuff. It was a romance that just, for whatever reason, just was never timed right. They definitely had caring for each other. And that was the other thing. It's got that macho kind of military feel to it, but they don't have a problem, you know, injecting, hey, these are men or women serving on these vessels. And there's going to be some feelings going on. And um, we're going to explore that too. Of course, the biggest cliche of Macross, the love triangle, you know. <laughs> This is the uh, you know the the first one that we see in in this franchise, but I can see its importance in a lot of ways. It's funny because you sometimes wonder how Real Robot would have worked out if this was the first Real Robot instead of Gundam, and they like kind of flipped the ways that they showed up. Because as groundbreaking as Gundam is, I believe Macross is just as groundbreaking in other ways. It almost yeah. seems like some of the things that. Gundam didn't address. Macross definitely did. Yeah. Because, you know, Gundam had, you know, the invincible robot created by the pilot's dad, super prototypes, all the sort of stuff. Whereas in Macross, uh, everyone pilots the same piece of junk. <laughs> or, if, or, and if you're Hikaru, you wreck the same piece of junk pretty much every other show, it seemed like. That's a good point because um, you finally had a lead that was a regular dude. You know, he, he was a great was not, pilot. was not the best pilot in the show. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you, if you introduced a genius pilot, but he was well, sub-tier compared to Hikaru, who had most of the screen I mean, time. he was, up until the point that Roy died, he was probably the third best pilot oh, yeah. behind Roy and, and Max. Yeah, but and he, he never became the yeah, the dude. But he never surpassed them, you know? All the interesting things happened to him, though, so. He didn't get the magnetic coating. <laughs> But, um, no, I mean, that, that would be the, the things that I... It, it's the fact of um, really delving into taking a, a war type of feel and a sci-fi feel and actually showing uh, people, you know, people's relationships. Because it showed them all throughout, you know, the, the bridge crew, the pilots, you know, within each other, you know, the pilots within each other, the bridge crew with the, among themselves, the civilians like Midmay and, you know, the other, you know, her family and stuff. So it was... It was very interesting on that aspect. Yeah, it had a huge reoccurring cast, too. Mm-hmm. And I just bring that up. Yeah, a lot of people, you saw a lot of the same faces because, you know, you had the city inside the ship. So you had that community there that was presented. You even got to know the um, the enemy also, yeah. which became the ally in the third act, you know, our, towards the end yeah, of the, the second Yeah, the three act. spies. Yeah, the three spies. Breach, uh, I can't Who, whose say purpose in Macross, again, was better clarified in Macross than in Robotech. <laughs> you know, you, you understood why they, you know, why they wanted to jump over to the human side. Their adjustment so. period during the, um, the the restoration of Earth too. That yeah. that's depicted far and better they, in Macross too. And they too. went to the disco. Yeah. The disco. <laughs> God, the disco. Oh man, the, 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 let's they, not forget the the frozen tuna head. Man, one of the uh, one of the things I enjoyed most about the series, which was sort of an accidental consequence, mm-hmm. you know, the last ten episodes being the uh, the post war reconstruction arc. Yeah, which was sort of made up after the fact because of the way the story was worked out when they got this extension it's uh a lot of fans divided even to this day there's a lot of people who say that it's just a bunch of stupid filler and for me it's one of the best what? parts of the show but yeah i don't know why there's, don't always know some, there's always someone who's displeased about something but the way i see no an anime <laughs> anime really you're kidding Okay. Who would have thunk it? No, go but, on. Uh, for me, it's one of the best parts of the show because how many uh, Robot War anime have we seen where, you know, the very last minute of the last episode is the last boss dying and, yeah. you know, the war is won, everyone's happy, yay. Roll mm-hmm. credits. Roll credits. <laughs> Here you see that's really not the case. Yeah. 
because even though they even though they won, they lost because Earth was destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. And even that final battle, it's kind of weird because Earth gets destroyed before the final battle even happens. Yeah. Which makes you wonder why they even fight to begin with. <laughs> and, and and like I said earlier, the the whole thing of having all these warriors come back, you know, pretty much the only people left were the you know, were the UN Spacey fighters, you yeah. know, and, and the support people and whatever was left of the civilians. And then you have the Satrades trying to, you know, assimilate to human culture. And it was just a big mess. And and this shows very effectively, I think, that, you know, winning a big interstellar war and picking up the pieces afterwards isn't so easy. And oh, in some no. cases is harder than fighting the war itself. Yeah. Yeah. Because as you see, you know, in the war, there's clear lines, you know, for soldiers, you know what you're supposed to do and not do. Mm-hmm. But when you're supposed to, you know, be, you know, protectors and, you know, guys who are trying to keep the peace like police, it sort of like obfuscates what it is, the clearly defined soldier role. When they would have to go out and, and check the uh, earth around and make sure, you know, to map things, if things were growing back and stuff. It's like, these guys didn't want to do any of this stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, what that's they, their job. Yeah, it's not what they signed up to be Valkyrie pilots for. I'm a soldier, not a botanist. Yes. <laughs> you I pilot robots. Well, I mean, it, it, it's it, the third. The third arc to me is really great because um, it's a. There's a full focus on the characters this time. You, mm, you know, I don't know about that, man. I, I mean, it, the the focus was throughout. Yeah, it was. I'll I be mean, honest I mean, with you. I think you this have? is one of the few shows that it was character focused. Oh, it was and the and the whole the battle. Run, even even the even the Valkyries themselves, I, the, I the robots, they were they were secondary. Well, they were they were always secondary, yeah. but it was there were a lot more battles in the in the first two acts of the show than there was in the third. The third, it was more so it felt more personal to me. But like, action, they, they, but action doesn't action doesn't take away from character focus though. It, it doesn't, but because you're you're talking about I these didn't are, learn, it's focusing on the characters while they're in a time of war, yeah. and then they're focusing in a time of so-called peace. Of course, there's going to be more action when there's war going on yeah. than peace. But I would oh, say yeah, that, that makes sense. But I mean, throughout it the allowed focus for was yeah. was uh, pretty much spot on. I don't I don't think that one part was stronger than the other when it came to that. I don't know. I mean, I didn't learn as much about Hikaru, Misa, and, and Minmei as I did in the third act, and just how it all affected them. And you know, they. The story shifted between them almost evenly, and uh, I, I I found that the most fascinating because eventually things were coming to the head with them, and you know it was it was it finally came to a you know decisive end with their triangle, and you know a lot of people don't want to watch romance in their mecha anime, but this show perfected it to me. I, I I thought that the love triangle in this is probably still the strongest one in anime history to me. I think it's um it, it's 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 definitely the most referenced when it comes to love triangles in in mecha anime. This is the definitive one. But um, they did a better job than Macross Frontier. Ouch! <laughs> but yeah, but I guess we'll save that till we get to Macross. <laughs> We're not talking about Frontier. We've already talked all there is to say about Frontier. Oh yeah. Well then, and and more so. So we'll, we'll you know, t- throwing in, I would also mention that mm-hmm. you know, obviously, as the first show of this franchise, you know, it established all these elements that are still with us nearly thirty years later. Exactly. Oh, yeah. The love triangle, the transforming airplane, the genius pilot. The genius pilot, uh, music playing a key role in yes. winning war. Pop music will save the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and, as crazy as all that all sounded, you know, nearly yeah. thirty years ago, 
it's still here all this time later. So yeah, I, I guess something works. I've got to give Maria Jima her credit. It was actually really cool to see her do the voice of Min May in the English adaptation of Super Dimensional Fortress Macross as well. Of course, she was the original voice, but just to have her in the same role was really nice. And the music that decorates the show, it's it's all great, especially the um, not only her performance, but the background music. That's one of the soundtracks I'd, I'd put in the top ten of um, anime soundtracks, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. Is definitely in that top ten when it comes to um, score. Of a, of yeah, because uh, you know Robotech, even though it had decent music for the yeah. time, it's like Casio synthesizer synthesizer yes. by comparison yeah. to you know like the sweeping orchestral sounding tracks that are in Macross. It's exactly. very different when you hear the Robotech soundtrack and the Macross soundtrack. You're like, wow, this is it would be the same show. When I was not even looking at the video, if you just heard the two soundtracks, it'd be like, wow, this what? is gone. You know, using the same source material. when i was a kid um i always thought that they both had the same soundtrack until i played um do you remember love the uh the 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 video game on the playstation was kind of a a a shooter space shooter and i'm hearing the music in this game and it's like wow is this really the soundtrack from macross and then you know shortly afterwards i'm i'm getting bits and pieces of different things there and i finally buy the macross soundtrack at one of the local stores here and i was completely blown away completely blown away i hadn't even watched the show yet uncut in um in this original format and hearing the music was it, it was it was it was it was it was excellent i, I have a I question for you chris since you were posing them to us since being the god of mhq this would be <laughs> you'd be the good person to ask on this i know there's there's some debate on what which one is more influential in the real robot genre would it be macross or is it gundam because gundam was technically the first one or do you think they equally have played a, a large role in the way that Real Robot has been depicted from 1979 on? It would depend. I would say broadly, both did equally. But if you confine yourself to the 80s, I would say Macross more because yeah. Macross started up the transforming robot plane craze, which every single series Even. that was on at the same time or soon after for most of that decade had to copy. Even you know, Gundam. <laughs> even Gundam, you know, making every single freaking thing transform in Zeta. Where do you think yeah. that came from? Yeah. <laughs> um, shows that had, like, no transforming mecha otherwise suddenly were throwing them in, like, say, uh, Dumbine. Yep. Yeah. You know, the Billbine is the only transforming battler in that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They threw it in there. Uh, L-Game has the mm-hmm. L-Game Mark II, which transforms and is probably, I think, the only transforming heavy metal in that anime you know every single thing that came out obviously orgus was studio new so that's the same crew mm-hmm. so i really gotta count that but if you think of like all of these shows um spt Lasner yep. had a few uh transforming mecha thrown in there including the Lasner mark ii that um never made it into the show because it got canceled but if you look at all of those shows you know, with the exception of, say, Votomes, every single post-Macross real robot show in the 80s threw in a transforming robot in there somewhere that turned into, like, a flight mode. Yeah. So that was a huge influence. But if you look broadly over the course of, you know, the lifespan of both franchises, I would say both of them equally influenced yeah. uh, the development of the genre. I know that's a uh, one of those debate questions that's, like, always back and forth because you always got, like, you know, the heart, the extremists on both sides, like, oh, this one, you know, Macross did more and Gundam did more. But I, I kind of agree because I, I think it's like I said earlier, what 
ever Gundam missed, Matt Cross brought up. I mean, yeah, because uh, Gundam definitely got the ball rolling, but you can't give it all the credit because no. it didn't do everything. It didn't run away from every single Super Robot cliche. Yeah, and let and let's be honest, the biggest one, the the whole romance angle. I mean. That didn't even get really resolved until, like, an, an alternate century uh, Gundam, an alternate <laughs> universe Gundam. So, yeah. But I was just wondering because, I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the same thing about it, too. And you've oh, seen the, the debates and all that. And I, I would definitely agree with you on that. And, Solbro, what would you think? You pretty well, much I, a unanimous decision I, on that. I, I think Shoji Kawamori is a romantic kind of cat. You know, I, I think that it's always been... Love has always been a, a big factor in the shows he makes, and Macross is definitely the 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 start of all of that. And yeah, I just love the emphasis he puts on his characters and and the relationships between them. I mean, in all truth, my my first favorite anime of all time is Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. I'd say Gundam would be my my third when it comes to um, favorite series. But Minus Strike Witches. Strike. <laughs> Wait, did Peter sneak into this call somehow? Oh, I didn't man. know. Strike Witches. Peter's whispering in his ear right now. Yes. <laughs> I, have a, I have a direct line to Kasam, to Kasam or uh, no, he's to Kasam, wherever he's at now. He's not in Windsor anymore, and he, he was very adamant about telling me that. Apparently not. So, but, um, whatever. No, it's the human drama that's presented in Macross so well that I really human dig that. Human drama. Human drama. I mean, although there's plenty... And now Hunter was having some human drama with Minmay. <laughs> but before that, they went to this studio. Human and- drama is something you need to talk about to your parents, kitties. <laughs> in the meantime, watch these commercials. <laughs> My Cheerios. It, 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 took a, it took a show that features aliens to have human drama in it. But, um, you know, it's funny. Um, because but are the, they really aliens? Oh, who knows? Are they aliens like Mexicans or aliens? Or are they aliens like... <laughs> with, with Gundam... Thus lies the question. With Gundam, it's all about the conflict and what it, what, how, what, how it affects the characters. And pretty much the, the, the threads always kind of go back to the, the conflict at the hand. But Gundam's always been about war, and Macross has always been about music, love, and just the relationship between the characters, you with, know, with, what, with action little, in between. Little interstellar war sprinkled well, it, in. It, it's always there, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's always the thing to do, but they, you know, it, it's about, the stuff that happens between the fights that is so interesting. They're both about war. It's just they, they approach it in a different way. Yeah, they do approach it in different ways. But to me, I I look at Gundam <laughs> as more of a war story than I do Macross. I look at Macross as a love story, and that's just my opinion. I'm sure I'm wrong, like all my opinions are. <laughs> love can bloom on the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> And to have it such a satisfying ending when it comes to a relationship, that's something that Gundam has rarely provided me, as opposed to Macross, except for Frontier, which I'm sure we'll joke about throughout every one of these reviews. But those are my words on that. Well, unless you guys have anything else to add, except pretty much we'll bring it into this first installment of Macross Roundup, so say it now or forever hold your peace. I take it this would be a must-see. It is? Uh, no, it's not a must-see. Okay. Oh, I, you, can, you can watch it or not, it's... All right. All I can say is, um, those listening right now, go grab your copies of it while you can, because the problem won't be any produced for a good long while. Thank you, ADV. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, if anything, I do recommend this for any kind of first-time viewers of Mecha Anime. I, I, I definitely put this up there. If you're not one of these fools who uh, can't deal with animation that's older than the year 2000. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're cool with uh, old animation, then by all means watch this show. Yeah, because if you, if you want bad 80s animation, the middle part's a little rough. <laughs> it gets a little rough. Sorry, it's a takeaway for the show, but it it gets a little rough. Uh, it's kind of rough all over. You you can you yeah. can tell just by looking which episode uh, was farmed out to anime friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
That's funny. So otherwise, that wraps up this first installment of Gundam Roundup. Oh, Next time we'll be Macross. talking about Macross Roundup. <laughs> God, you you f you fell into the uh, the trap, man. The trap. Because we had a we had a, a Gundam Roundup on here. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, forget me. Uh, I'm crazy. Are we going to review the next five episodes of Double O after this? <laughs> yes, we are. How did you know? I don't know. New type. It's, we're it's, we're it's gonna we're gonna we're gonna review uh, the script for the movie. Oh, it's good to be back. <laughs> anyway, that wraps up the first Macross roundup. Next time we'll be talking about uh, Diral and Flashback 2012. And uh, you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Old habits die hard, huh? They sure do. <laughs> <laughs>
Patty C never dies. <laughs> Only seems to. Patty C gets the girl. I know. Big spoiler. <laughs> Camille actually died. Or actually got brain fried. <laughs> then recovered. <laughs> Man. So. All right. Well, in that case, uh, I think I think uh, this episode's pretty much fallen off the rails here at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll just leave it to uh, Solbro to do the um, the usual whoring of links and uh, email addresses. Gladly. Take it away. I wish we had right. one universal link. Make sure to peep these websites. MAHQ.net, where the magic happens. Uh, your headquarters for Mecha and Anime. Also, Gundam.net, where you can find show notes and the latest episode posted. Um, you can email us at GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Facebook, MySpace, Spill, and many, many, many other networking websites. We're also on Zoom for those who have Zooms. And um, also, um, the show is brought to you on the Mevio Network at Mevio.com. Um, also sponsored by GoDaddy and Petco. And last but not least, you can find updates to MAHQ and Gundam by going to our Twitter account at twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. And back to you, Chris. All right. And that uh, wraps up another uh, hilariously bad episode of Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> and we'll uh, see you next time for more uh, hairbrained misadventures. What is it you're afraid of? What is it you're afraid of? What 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 you're afraid of